1: This is an email from Betty, Miss Betty. This is uh, quite unusual. I- I've never read a story like this. I think you'll enjoy it. Miss Betty writes I spent most of February 2018 in the hospital in central Louisiana. The Red River runs behind that hospital. I was on the fourth floor, and with the floor to ceiling windows in my room, I had the perfect view of the flooding that was occurring at that time. Every day, I watched the river rise a little more. It left its bank and flooded a small park, leaving just the tops of the trees sticking out of the water. And then it flooded the parking lot and the road that went to the park. I sat there for hours watching the river traffic until it was shut down due to high water. And then I watched as all sorts of debris floated down the river. There were pieces of buildings and trees of all sizes. I even saw a car float by. Close to the bank, or what was supposed to be the bank, was a whirlpool. It must have been eight feet across and it spun round and around, sucking in anything that got close to it. And I often wonder where that stuff went once it got pulled under. One day my husband was there and we were watching the river as usual. Since I was bedbound, there really wasn't anything else to do. And as we watched, we saw a huge pile of debris coming down the river. It floated over toward our side, and by the time it reached us, it was hitting the tops of the trees in the park, and it started breaking up. First, I saw a big tree break off from the pile and move toward the whirlpool. Then something else broke off. As it started moving in the same direction as the tree, it turned in slow circles. I saw the end of it and then the side, and I could tell what it was, but the part that was sticking up out of the water looking like long red hair. The part in the water was moving with the flow and was darker in color, and then it turned to the other end, and this end was bobbing up and down in the water, and when the top broke the surface, it looked kind of pointed. This thing was long and big. I would say it was nine feet long. And that's when it hit me what this thing could be. My husband thought maybe it was a cow. And then he suggested that it could be a horse. And I pointed out how it looked like it was on its belly with its arms and legs stretched out. He said he knew it was big and it had long hair, but he just wasn't sure what it was. But I was sure. As the tree was being sucked into the whirlpool, this thing stopped circling and it turned. It started down the river, and at that moment the nurse came in and drew our attention away long enough that we barely turned back in time as it floated away. My husband will only say that it was very big and hairy. He won't commit himself to say one way or another what it was, but as for me, I was in the hospital and I was on painkillers, but I know what I saw, and nothing will change my mind. And... (laughs) That's the end of her email and she tells this whole story, but she never says the word. She never says that she thought it was a Bigfoot. I can only assume that that's what she thought it was. Red hair swirling in the water, nine feet tall, something pointy kind of rises out of the water. Maybe it's a conical shaped head. Who knows? But this is very interesting. I've never read anything like this and you never hear stories about Bigfoot dead Bigfoots. Ever. Ever. You'll never hear a story about a dead Bigfoot. I'm not talking about a killed Bigfoot. I'm talking about just a dead Bigfoot someone finds and she saw one floating down the river from her hospital room. I thought that was really interesting. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And I know I did. My name is Cameron Buckner and this is the Dixie Cryptid YouTube podcast, also known as the What If It's True podcast on the podcast network. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, anywhere you get your podcast. Search for What If It's True, and we should be right at the top of the list. You're looking at some video, or have looked at some video in that first story of me opening some boxes of Yeti Bar soaps. I wanted you to get a feel for what they look like. I know you couldn't smell them. I was smelling them because they smell great, but I had just ordered a big box of them and I thought maybe you'd like to see how they come packaged and how they look when they're opened and it's a really great product. They're running a sale right now and if you use the code DC10 at checkout, you get an additional 10% off. Check them out at yetibars.net and Yeti Bars on Facebook. You won't be sorry. It's a great product. Let's jump back into this podcast. All right, here we go. This is a pair of stories from Christy, who lives in middle slash West Tennessee. She lives on the Tennessee river, which divides middle and West Tennessee. But I, I kind of see that as West Tennessee, but anyway, here's what she writes. Christy says, you're welcome to use first names and locations for the first two stories I have for you. The first I wouldn't have known if not for your channel. I was telling my best friend of 35 years, Carrie, about how obsessed I become with your channel. Oh, that is so weird to hear. I I just can't believe people enjoy this stuff, especially for me. But I'm not being falsely modest. It really does just blow me away. But I'm so glad, Christy, that you like this. Anyway, she says, did I ever tell you that I saw one when we were 18? I got all excited and said, no, but do tell, and then in true Dixie Cryptid style, I said, here we go. That's right. It was the summer of 1994, right after our high school graduation. My best friend Carrie, a young man named Rick, and a young lady named Lisa were out riding back roads in Humphrey County, Tennessee, Waverly to be more specific. It was around 2 a.m. and they drove down Clidden Road to an old bridge we used to jump off into a deep creek. There's nothing out there but cow pastures and woods, but it was a favorite swimming hole for the local teens. They parked and they got out. Carrie had to talk Rick out of jumping in the water from the bridge since it was dangerous to do at night. They were standing on the bridge, throwing rocks in the creek below and goofing off when they saw what looked like a black cow at the edge of the creek. So, in true, silly teenage style, they started mooing at the large black mass until it stood up on two legs and looked straight at them. Carrie said she couldn't make out facial details, nor did she want to. She said it was huge, at least 10 foot tall, and it scared the crap out of them. Without a word, they made a dash for the car. As they were loading up, she said it made a low, deep grunting noise. I should have known something happened when Carrie refused to swim there that summer, but she never said why. She says she never went back because it scared her so bad, not even to drive down that road as a shortcut, and I don't blame her. The second story is my own. It was around 1988. Carrie and I stayed together every non-school night at either her house or mine. For some reason, and I don't recall, we were supposed to stay apart this Friday night. I'd probably gotten in trouble for not doing chores. Anyway, after a couple of hours of begging my mother, she finally caved in and said that we could go pick Carrie up for the weekend. We live in Camden, Tennessee, just across the river from Waverly. Carrie lived across town from me, but Camden is a small town, so it was only a 10-minute drive. My mom had a fully restored 66 Mustang that I would inherit as my first car when I turned 16. Mom was driving, and after picking Carrie up, we were in back. As she drove down Highway 70, or Brewston Highway as some call it, what seemed like a huge 18-wheeler was coming from the opposite direction. It seemed to take up both sides of the road and then some. All we really could see were these extremely bright lights. We all braced for a head-on collision as my mom cried, get over to the other driver, and Carrie and I just screamed. All of a sudden, it was gone. Nothing in the road but our car. My mom pulled to the side of the road to compose herself. Carrie and I looked behind us. Nothing but darkness on the road. Then we looked up in the sky, and there it was, a big red light up above the tree line. It just hovered there for a minute, and then it jumped space. It had moved way up into the blink of an eye up to the altitude of small planes. It hovered there for a moment, and then just like before, it blinked across to the other side of the sky, and then it just disappeared. When we got home, my dad grumbled about what took us so long. Mom said we hadn't been gone long. Dad replied that we were gone for over an hour. Even with the time we were pulled over, we shouldn't have been gone any more than 30 minutes. Carrie and I still try to come up with what that could have been, if not a UFO. And we haven't come up with an answer in 30 years of looking. I hope that you can use these stories. Thank you for listening and all the great stories you put together for us. Have a blessed day, Christy.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: 18 plus.
1: This story is from Tristam he, from Oregon. He writes, I have a Bigfoot encounter that I haven't told anyone except one of my very closest friends. This encounter happened when I was around 15. I grew up in Bend, Oregon. I went on a camping trip with my dad and my three brothers to Mount Hood National Park. My family likes to drive up to the mountain and camp in the middle of nowhere. The first day that we got to our newly found campground, it was pouring rain, so we stayed in our tent most of the day and around the campground. But on the second day, it was beautiful, and we went for a hike. We were single file on the trail, and I was in the rear. Halfway through our hike, I stopped to use the bathroom. My father likes us all to carry a firearm with us when we're hiking for safety. I was carrying a 9mm Glock on my hip. I yelled ahead to the group that I was stopping. I would find out later that they never heard me. When I looked ahead, no one was there. Then I heard a branch snap behind me. I immediately figured it was my brothers playing a prank on me, so I called out to my brothers but the only response I got was a weird, low, guttural growl. I looked in the direction the noise came from, and I saw a huge stump that was five or six feet tall. And then from behind this stump, a huge creature stood straight up. Its head was now three feet above the five-foot-tall stump. It was covered in long, reddish-brown fur. For a minute, we stared at each other, but my legs were glued to the ground and I couldn't move. After what felt like an eternity, it just turned around and it walked off. When my dad and my brothers found me, I was lying on the ground. Two years later, I still get shivers thinking about that encounter. The only thing I can think of is that I encountered a Bigfoot. Thank you for listening. It's been hard having no one to talk to about this. I don't know who the writer is of this email. In other words, he doesn't give me his name, but that doesn't matter because this is really, really a cool story. He writes, I grew up hunting, fishing, and running trap lines, so it was only natural that I get a job working for the California Fish and Game while I was in college. Later, I spent two decades working for the U.S. Forest Service. One morning in September 1993, while I was working for the Forestry Service, I arrived at a small clear-cut located in the middle fork of Feather River at 11.30 a.m. It was a wild and scenic spot above the town of Oroville, California, and very remote. It had taken me two hours to get there. It was the last of three small clear cuts done on that ridge, just before it dropped down to the scenic river. We call those cuts mountain lion cuts after a lion that had been seen there several times. The last cut was nine acres that headed east up the slope, and at the bottom was a 20-foot circle of brush that had no trees worth harvesting, so it had been spared. I crawled into the brush with my lunch and decided to be quiet and hidden as I ate so that maybe I could see the lion come through. After 25 minutes, nothing had come by and I was finished with lunch. As I was packing up, I heard a large limb or a small tree snap a couple hundred yards across the clear cut. I thought it must be a range cow, so I didn't even bother looking up. The clear cut had been replanted in the spring. My job that day was to take 24-foot plots and count how many trees survived in every third plot. I walked out a few yards into the clearing and poked my tape measure into the ground, pulled out 12 feet, and started making a circle, counting each tree within the circumference as I did so. When I was done, I walked 120 paces, maybe 110 yards, to the lower section and completed the second plot. And then I looked across and decided I could fit one more plot along the bottom. So I took off counting 120 paces. I was 30 yards from the brush on the opposite side when I heard another large limb being snapped off a tree. This time it was done close enough that it startled me. And I snapped my head up and looked through the manzanita. Through a three foot hole in the brush I saw a leg, or a back of a leg anyway, from the knee down. It was 40 yards away, and the sun was shining on it. The sunlight lit up the two-inch-long red hair that covered the leg. It was close to the color of an orangutan's hair. The calf muscle was large and lean, and I stared at it and thought to myself how well this thing was built. It took a couple of steps up the hill, and I saw the muscle flexing up and down in its leg. I stopped. I stopped until that moment i hadn't thought much about whether or not they were real but just then i was thinking they do exist i started walking up the hill in a calm no rush manner that gave me time to observe it and at 80 yards away i could see all the way up the left leg i could see the butt about halfway down the right leg the hair was all the same light colored red and its butt was pronounced and muscular. Seeing it from the waist down, I thought it was built very much like a professional football player, larger and taller, but not by much. At a hundred yards away, I got my first glimpse of the entire backside of the creature from the neck down. From the waist up, it was massive. The shoulders were seven feet off the ground and five feet across. Ahead of it was a dense, dark patch of tan oaks, and it stepped into the trees and it was gone. I stood there, fascinated by what had just happened. I did not take a step during this entire encounter. I just stood there in amazement. Above this dark patch of tan oak stood a single tree that was six inches in circumference. It was cut off and bent 180 degrees at six feet off the ground. The creature stepped out of the oak patch and put its left arm on that tree and as it leaned in, the tree dropped seven more inches. It turned its head and it looked at me. Now I could see the left part of the body and a little bit of its head. The only feature I could see was that it was not covered in long red hair like the rest of the body. It was too far away now to make much else out. I noticed there was no hair at the elbow of the left arm either. It looked as if it had been scraped or worn off and the skin was dark black. I don't know how long this lasted. It was long enough that I wondered how the creature with such red hair could have such dark skin. We stood there staring at each other for a bit, and then it straightened up and turned and took two steps before it was gone. I did not see it or hear it again. In fact, I never heard it except for the two times it broke large limbs or small trees. I never felt fear or anxiety. It was never aggressive toward me, nor seemed threatening in any way. I didn't smell any odor, and sadly, I never got to see the front of the creature or its entire head. I don't know its sex or anything about its facial features except for the lack of hair, but I do know it was very curious. It wanted to observe me as much as I wanted to observe it. I no longer work for the Forestry Service, but I wish I could have another encounter. And as an employee of the U.S. Forestry Service, I did not share this story with anyone other than a few family members until 2012, when I finally went online to the BFRO and submitted my first report. Since then, I've done some of my own research and watched what I could. I've met a few others willing to speak about their encounters and I'm more than happy to meet and speak with anyone who has had an encounter. I believe there was more than one that day. As I sat hidden in that brush, putting my lunch away, it broke a large limb or tree. I was over 240 yards away. I don't believe it was just telling me that it was there. I think it was also telling the others that I was there fantastic story to the writer i uh, again i don't know the man's name I uh, i think i know because of his email address but i'm not going to share it because he didn't really say anything about it but this is uh these guys in the forestry service are in a position and in locations to see these things not just these things but all the things that go on in the forest and they're used to it they know it they're very observant they know what's out of place they know what's in place they know what's usual. They know what's odd. If you spend any time in the woods, even you don't have to be a forestry service employee to learn these things. Just go in the woods and be quiet. Like, I know this is probably a little too much commentary, but there are a lot of images out on social media Facebook and Twitter and Instagram of blurry things in the background of a forest and have you ever sat in the woods for just just sit there for 3 hours and don't move just sit there relax and kind of focus in on one area of the woods and if you do that you'll notice that the light has a lot to do with what you see and the earth is spinning and the sun is shining light at different angles and every 10 or 15 minutes that spot you're looking at will look totally different And you your mind can make out shapes and all kind of things in that background as light penetrates through the forest and shines on things that are that are behind what you're looking at and these guys know these things they, I mean I began to notice that deer hunting many years ago I'm not a big deer hunter. As a matter of fact I don't really even go to kill. I don't really like killing deer. I have killed several um but not many. And I've never, well, I did kill one buck. Anyway, it's a it's another big deal. I'm just not that interested in killing deer, but I love to be in the woods and just watch and look at all the wildlife. And and the deer is just icing on the cake. It's great meat. It's good, clean nutrition for me and my family and my friends. And But the big thrill is to sit there and just watch what goes on. And you're seeing what happens in the woods when you're not there. Because if you're quiet, you don't make any noise, and you just, you know, just minimize your presence in the woods, it goes right back to normal within about 15 or 20 minutes. And you get to see what happens when you're not there. And it's an amazing thing. Listen and look and smell And you get to see all the things that 99% of the people on this planet do not get to see. So this, I don't know why I got off in that, but it kind of, I know some of these forestry guys and these um, timber cruisers and people that work for timber companies, and they know the woods, they know what's natural, they know what's not. They're very observant, and they can tell you right away, that's kind of weird over there, and this is what happened here, and this is what happened here. But anyway, it was just an interesting, it's an interesting topic I've always thought was fascinating, but me, I'm a people watcher, and I notice what people say and do, and why they say and do what they do, and it's always been real interesting to me. Thank you to the writer for sending this. I really appreciate it, and I believe the story. I 100% believe the story. This story is from Ken, and it's, it's real exciting to me. I think you'll find it exciting. And here's what he writes. I was born and raised in southeast Alabama. I live in a little town outside of Dothan called Cottonwood. Sasquatch has always fascinated me ever since I was a kid from seeing the classic TV shows like Unsolved Mysteries or In Search Of, but I was never 100% convinced Sasquatch was real. I became a fan again like most people because of the show Finding Bigfoot a few years ago. It was February 16th, 2018. I worked an overnight shift and got off about 5.30 a.m. and I wasn't tired after a long shift. I took the usual back road home. The sun was barely rising. I was approaching an empty cotton field on my left and in the far corner of that field, I could see a dark figure moving around. I rolled the window down and I slowed to a creep to get a better look. And there it was, a massive, black, bulky figure. I could make out that it was kneeling down with its right hand planted on the ground and the other scratching through the dirt like it was looking for food or something. Dirt was flying up behind the creature like it was frantically digging for something. It slowly and smoothly stood up and then it made its way to the tree line in about three steps. It was coal black. It had no neck. Its long arms were swinging low. I never saw its face, only its left side and back as it walked away. All this happened in about 10 seconds after I slowed down. I instantly figured that I had seen a Bigfoot. I blinked my eyes and I shook my head, and by the time reality sunk in, I was probably driving 10 miles an hour. In my rearview mirror, I saw another truck riding my tail, so I sped up and I headed on home. It is hard to describe how shocked I was. I've only told two other people this, and I'm pretty sure they didn't believe a word I said. I've always wanted to report this encounter to the BFRO, but it all happened so fast and I have no evidence, but I'm 100% sure what I saw was a Sasquatch. Nothing else in our woods walks like that and has the size and bulk that this thing had. I guess it could have been the farmer who owned the property and was out at sunrise just to run his fingers through the dirt for some reason, but this thing was as big as Andre the Giant wearing an all-black bulky one-piece suit with a hoodie. There's nothing else it could be. I regret not investigating it, but I don't know how to go about that without trespassing or knocking on the farmer's door and looking like a crazy person. But without a doubt, I knew I saw something big and bipedal at sunrise in someone's crop field. I saw a Bigfoot in South Alabama, and now I believe in these things 100%. This one is a scary one. It's from James in Missouri, and here's what he says. I've never told anyone this story. I've always tried to forget it. Even now, as I type this email, I am shaking. This took place in the year 2000. Growing up in southeast Missouri, I spent a lot of my time hunting, fishing, and camping. I love being outdoors. At this time, I'd recently gotten into bow hunting and had obtained permission to hunt some river bottom land that bordered a state park. This was the second half of bow season, a week or so after rifle season had ended. Most hunters had filled their tags and were just tired of hunting, so there wasn't a lot of competition. I got to my spot that morning early, which was good because I'd never stepped foot on this property and I wanted to get to my buddy's tree stand without getting lost or having to rush and make too much noise. It was cold that morning and the leaves were frozen with zero wind. It was going to be hard to be quiet. I made it to the stand without a hitch and had about a half hour or 45 minutes until sun up. No sooner that I had gotten settled in, I realized how quiet it was. Almost scary quiet. Within a few minutes, I heard something directly behind me and below me. I could hear the leaves crunching and the twigs breaking and realized it was coming my way. As it got closer, I realized this thing didn't sound like a deer. It sounded like a person. I considered it was another hunter climbing up to this spot and how pissed he was going to be to find out that I had the area covered. I heard a loud crash and this thing was a lot closer. I don't know how long my mind wandered off about the possibility of another hunter coming my way, but this thing was close and I realized that it was no deer or it was not a hunter. This thing was way bigger than a deer or a human. That's when I started to worry. Behind me, it was thicker and more brushy than in front of me. I could hear limbs being snapped at a height that was not far below my tree stand and I was 20 feet off the ground. I was frozen at this point and as it got directly under me, it stopped. My heart sank. I was hoping it would just keep going. I could hear it breathing, and I was terrified, frozen, trying not to move. Everything got real quiet, and I was waiting for it to realize that I was sitting right above it. I have never been more terrified than I was at that moment. I heard its hand on the tree knocking the bark off into the leaves, like it was crumbling it up. And then I heard a loud snap, which caught me off guard and caused my feet to move, making a slight noise against the stand. This thing jumped out from under me off to the left. It sounded like a freight train. It only moved about 20 feet away from me, and I was standing up at this point ready to draw my bow, my only weapon. It was still dark, and I wasn't sure exactly where it was. The last thing I wanted to do was take a shot at this thing and make it mad. It stayed out there at 20 feet, and I'm guessing it was staring at me through the dark. I could still hear it breathing, only it was quicker now, like it was startled or it was nervous. We stayed like that for what seemed like an eternity was actually probably only a couple of minutes. And then from in front of me, down the opposite holler, came the lowest, deepest, highest scream I have ever heard. That's the only way I can describe it. The one that's beside me starts to growl. I guess that's what it was doing, but it was a really deep growl, and I could feel it in my chest. And then the one closest to me moved, scaring me even more. I could feel my heartbeat pounding all the way through my body. I knew that it was coming for me. Right in front of me, he answered the call, and I'll never forget the sound and the depth of it. And then it slowly walked off like it was keeping an eye on me, though. I could hear it walk down the hill to the bottom to where I guess it met up with the other one. It was quiet for a few seconds, and the two headed straight back towards me. I could hear them. There was no mistaking it. I tried to draw my bow, but I was too terrified. I remember thinking about climbing further up the tree like that was going to help. I played out the scenario in my head. I don't know how long my mind was wandering, but when I snapped back, whatever it was had already walked past me and was going back down the hill. I was too scared to move. And when it got daylight, I saw what made the first loud pop noise that made me jump. The metal foot peg screwed into the tree had been snapped in two. I stayed in that stand until one o'clock that afternoon. I was actually afraid I would run into these things on my way to the truck. I sat there for hours trying to sort it out and figure out a way to get out of there. Finally, I just climbed down and I walked out with no other problems. Well, that's my story. I've never been hunting again. I stay out of the woods. People wonder why I stop hunting, and I tell them that I just got burned out. I knew my buddy would see the broken foot peg. He never asked me about it. Hey, look, I'm not a storyteller, but I hope you can make sense out of all this. This first story is really good. My story is not exciting, but it is thought-provoking. Please just use my initials, J.C., no problem, J.C., I grew up on a farm in central North Carolina. I spent a lot of time in the woods with my brother, several cousins, and various friends that would visit the farm on a regular basis. Our adventures on the farm spanned mostly the 1970s and into the early 1980s. The farm has been in our family since the late 1800s. The children spent our time in the woods making forts, exploring, and just using our imaginations to create one adventure after another. We never had a Bigfoot sighting, but I can say personally I always felt I was being watched. Maybe it was an act of imagination or the fact that I became interested in the Bigfoot legend after watching several movies on the subject, but I have always been a believer. In 2011, the show Finding Bigfoot premiered, and I could not get enough of that kind of show. It was about then that I found out the BFRO had a database online where one could see if sightings had been reported in various states and counties. Of course, I jumped at the chance to see if my county had any sightings. Lo and behold, there was one sighting for my county, and the hair on my neck stood up as I read the account. A Bigfoot was sighted in 2002, about a mile from the farm where I grew up in Johnston County. Having digested a lot of facts and knowledge about Bigfoot habitats while watching shows like Finding Bigfoot and learning that there were confirmed sightings in my area, my mind began to race. So many memories were running through my head, and things and events began to surface. The forest we played in as children had many signs of being Bigfoot habitat, but we were too ignorant to know it. The tree structures were very evident in my mind's eye as I recall the way the old logging trails appeared. And I mean many different kinds of structures like road slash trail signage and nighttime structures. And then something weird surfaced in my memories. When I was about 11 years old, we had an old-fashioned family reunion where many of our extended family and friends came to the farm for a pig-picking. So I inadvertently dropped by my grandmother's house just prior to the gathering, and I found my mom and my aunt dressing my grandmother up in the kitchen. Grandmother was wearing an old man's breeches and a man's shirt, which was way oversized for her little frame. She had an old gray wig. My aunt was rubbing soot from the old wood stove on her face, and my mom was gluing hair trimmed off the old wig onto grandmother's face, which gave her an unkempt beard. I thought they had lost their minds. They told me that they would tell me what was going on if I swore secrecy. Of course, I wanted to know what was going on and why it was so hush-hush. My grandmother was going to become the sack woman and sneak up at the pig picking and scare the children. At the time, I didn't think this situation was funny, but now that I'm an adult, I can see the humor in all this. After all, children are here for the entertainment of their parents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Yes, they are, JC. It's fun to mess with our kids, isn't it? But I digress, let's get back on track. It was explained to me that Grandmother was not the first sack woman to visit a family gathering on the farm. It appears that Grandma Lily played the same role many times back in the 1930s and 40s. So I agreed not to tell what I knew. I was quite proud of myself for withholding that information for several hours the plan was that Grandmother would hide in the foot of Granddaddy's station wagon while he drove on the dirt path just past the old farmhouse where the shindig was taking place. He would drop Grandmother off at the wood line which was about a quarter mile from the old farmhouse. Then she would wait a while and walk the path towards the farmhouse with a burlap sack thrown over her shoulder. Grandmother was such a great actress. She had an oversized baby doll sticking out of the sack on her back and she changed her gait by dragging one leg. As she approached the farmhouse where the family was gathered, I yelled, who is that? And just stood back and I watched the mayhem. Kids were screaming and running to their mothers and fathers. There was crying. Some of the kids threw up. It was great. Of course, Grandmother had to unmask in front of the kids so that they would calm down. It was certainly an event we spoke of frequently to this day. But what does this have to do with Bigfoot? The farm we lived on came through my grandfather's lineage, so I asked him why Grandmother and Grandma Lily decided to put on this farce. Where did the idea come from? He cryptically said there actually was once a wild woman in the area that took children. At the time, I thought he was pulling my leg, but looking back on it, I'm not sure. I can't ask the old folks about the history surrounding this tale because they're all gone now. I can still see my grandfather's face when he mentioned the wild woman, and I believe he wanted to tell me more, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. Just recently, I did some research on the family farm, and while doing my research, I ran across some blogs which discuss many of the larger farms in my county. And in one of those threaded posts, a writer asked, does anyone know anything about the booger or Bigfoot that lived near the Neuse Island Swamp? Neuse Island Swamp, Hannah's Creek, Sassarixa Swamp, and other swampy structures are near the location for the largest North Carolina Civil War battle near Bentonville Battlefield in Johnston County. This area alone has a lot of paranormal activity as a result of the tragic events of the war. However, it also has some notation as having had a booger residing here. Sadly, no one knew anything about what the writer was referring to. Again, all the old folks who knew anything about these stories are no longer with us. We as families no longer sit around handing down stories or knowledge while talking around the dinner table or just before going to bed. Oral storytelling was so important to our ancestors but we have gotten away from it because our lives have become so busy. So much knowledge is dying along with our older generations. I am so glad you were keeping these stories as a kind of library of oral tales, and I challenge others to write down what they know and share it. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you, and we will see you guys on the next one.